0: i'm rachel true
1: and i'm trent venegas
0: and you're listening to quoting gene roddenberry
1: the hundred day podcast that celebrates what would have been the hundredth birthday of the man that created star trek
0: each day between now and the end of our podcast
1: august 19th
0: one of star trek's biggest icons
1: or celebrity fans
0: or both will be quoting gene roddenberry
1: then we're going to take a deep dive into why we think this sci-fi legend still has a lot to say to the world Today's quote is read by Star Trek Strange New Worlds actor, Babs Alusimokun.
2: We are in the information age. So much so that it doesn't matter if you live in New York or Birmingham or San Francisco or wherever you are, you are part of this exciting kaleidoscope.
0: Welcome back to the podcast, quoting Gene Roddenberry. And this week, Trent and I are lucky enough to have as a guest and co-host, New York Times number one bestselling author, Scott Sigler. Hello, thank you guys for having me. Uh, I'm a huge Scott Sigler fan, by the way. (laughs) I'm just going to get that out of the way. I love his books. I love his writing. They're so entertaining. So I'm super delighted that Scott is here this week. And per this quote, It's interesting to me, I'm going to throw it to Scott, but what's interesting to me is it's 1988, right? Yeah. -hmm. And people don't realize, like my dad had computers in 1982 and I was on Mm -hmm. something called, I don't know what, but it was the web basically. Yeah. Uh, It looked kind of like chat rooms and things. And that was when consumers had it. So other people Mm -hmm. had it much, much earlier than that. So Mm -hmm. we have been in this, I still consider what we're in the wild, wild west though of it all, frankly, and we are in the connection age. So Scott, mm-hmm. why don't we just say, what thoughts do you have on this quote?
2: Well, I looked up a little bit before this and AOL launched in 1985. Uh, so <laughs> oh, still, wow. Still in its infancy and hadn't attained massive adoption yet. And I think it's probably safe to say that AOL was the the gateway for a lot of people to get online. Uh, you know, so I, I feel like uh, having graduated high school in 88, I was in that first generation to, to get to go online and talk to people in other, other countries, other places, independent of culture, et cetera, and starting to get away from that proximal effect of having to be in the same room or you know, have people be in the same geographic area for a phone call, et cetera. Just go, go online and meet completely random people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being in uh, America in the Cold War and being able to talk to people in Russia and other places was, was pretty staggering. So I, this, is a, this is a pretty cool quote to me.
1: I'm so surprised that AOL goes back that far. Honestly, because I so associate it with the '90s. I didn't get online. I my first internet experience was on America Online, uh, but in 1994, when I got my first Macintosh PC, Power PC, mm-hmm. whatever the model was, and uh, back when you used to have to not only have dial up at you know. 144 k baud, uh, but they also charged you by the hour. So I remember, you know, running up that bill pretty high. Uh, was this when they were
0: sending out CDs, like five yeah. CDs a day I would yeah. get? Like yeah. you could plaster an entire for wall.
1: For 100 free hours. And that's how they get you because at 100 hours is not enough once you are uh, interacting with these people from all around the world. And the thing that I remember most about my first uh, interactions on AOL and online was not the World Wide Web, it was the chat rooms that were set up in AOL. And I remember hanging out in like a industrial music room or, or a Nine Inch Nails room or something like that and communicating with people in real time on the other side of the country. That blew my mind, that it was happening in real time on the other side of the country and now here we are right now we're recording this podcast remotely uh rachel is uh Somewhere
0: is in the us
1: <laughs> not here in la i'm in la and scott are you in san diego san diego yes sir so you know here we are we're all connected uh and just kind of like those same early pioneers who were you know logging online and connecting
2: yeah, and you talked talk about it like being like kind of the wild, wild west, and, and now we uh we have literally have, you know, land barons, railroad barons, if you will, you know, uh people running Facebook and and the other sites like that. Yeah. They, in Google, these are, you know, the Rothschilds and you know, the uh I'm failing on my history, but you go back and look at the lumber barons, the copper barons, the gold yep. barons back in the American West, and it's largely replicated. It's the same thing. We've got people who got there had the right, right product at the right time, were the right amount of Ruthless, and yeah. now they are massively wealthy. <laughs> I like that you said right. the
0: right amount of Ruthless, because <laughs> mm-hmm. it is, because even when we think about the um, billionaires in space in the last mm-hmm. week, like, I kept thinking back, I'm not going to mention the poem I've mentioned 20 times that everyone's talking about <laughs> now, but what I will say is I kept thinking, but in Star Trek, and Gene Roddenberry's world, they didn't go out and and uh, they didn't go out into space and start talking to all these other galaxies until we had kind of dealt with the problems here. And yes. so I have no problems with a, with a billionaire going to outer space except he doesn't pay taxes, much like the robber baron Scott mentioned. Those mm-hmm. guys, uh, the reason the library that I love so much is called Carnegie is because he had enough money that because he didn't pay any taxes. So mm-hmm. at least he was altruistic enough or smart sa- business savvy enough to donate right. enough money for the library. So. I don't. I know that the space race is another part of uh, that we're in now. Is another part of of the wild, wild west, right? But I think it leaves out, per this quote, you're part of an exciting kaleidoscope. Mm-hmm. And I think you know the two billionaires in space leaves out the other colors of the kaleidoscope, if yeah. you will. What do you guys yeah. think about that?
2: From just looking at the service level, that seems pretty obvious that we have a a certain demographic that is controlling a large amount of the wealth in the world and certain gender controlling a large amount of wealth in the world. Yep. Um, Whether they should get to do that with their money or not, I don't know anything about the cost of that and what that could do for other areas. But we're also talking about people who have not exactly dedicated their lives to altruism, Hmm. to taking their fortunes and spreading the wealth wide and far and deep. We're talking about people who have largely focused on building this one thing and becoming as rich as humanly possible. And I think at least one of those people is at one point was the richest person in the history of mankind. Wow. But that's so mind blowing to think that you have for all of the, all of the wealth and power that has been in various places on this globe over all the centuries. It's, you know, so we have a person right now who is the, the richest that's ever been.
1: Ah, it's mind-boggling, it's mind-boggling. But, you know, Rachel, you mentioned the last part of this quote where you're part of this exciting kaleidoscope and you know what your your point about like these billionaires in space, they leave out all the other colors of the kaleidoscope and what what I really love about Gene using this this imagery, this word because you, I can see it in my mind's eye. Like kaleidoscopes are one of my favorite like toys when I was, you know, very, very little. And it's just, you'd never get the same patterns again. You know, it's it's always, it's random, but it's, there's beauty in the randomness. And it's a very nice image of how I would like to see the immense diversity that we have here on this planet Mm -hmm. coming together to, to make something beautiful while keeping our individuality intact.
0: Well, Scott, one of the things, that's a beautiful point, Trent. And one of the things that I, I, with Kaleidoscope, that I think is about, right, including and being inclusive, which is yeah. part of the reason why I want it different, different colors, different shards don't actually mm-hmm. have to match up and be the same. Yep. So for me, uh, Kaleidoscope is almost a stand in word for diversity, which. Yeah. Gene Roddenberry uses a lot, and as uh-huh. I said on Twitter, it means a lot of different things, obviously, to a lot of different people, and and I love it because it gives me license as a black Jewish chick to talk about a lot of things that, uh, that are important to me. But you have written a series of books where diversity is super important in an athletic league, and that's one of the reasons I appreciate Scott's writing because on one hand, some of it is, it's Saturday morning monster stuff, but there's this message underneath mm-hmm. Uh, And you are cognizant of that. Obviously, you're the writer, but that makes it akin to Gene Roddenberry in a sense that you're not just writing your stuff. You're thinking about how the audience, what they might take away. Mm -hmm. Was that always innate in you?
2: Well, I've been obviously watching Star Trek for a long, long time. That was uh, around when I was when I was a kid watching stuff and it had an impact on my work. And what the one you might be referring to is uh, the Galactic Football League, which is a YA series, which is an American pro football league, 700 years in the future, set against a spacefaring hero quest set against the backdrop of an American pro football league. But in this league, part of the influence of Gene's work is that my aliens don't, they're not similar to us. They're not just us with a different color skin or slightly different ears or what have you there. Um, completely different different evolutionary paths and very physically different to the point where to win in this league, you have to have races. You have to have players from all the five different major races because their physiology makes them specialize at a particular position. You know, you can have 1200 pound linemen, you can have receivers that can jump 20 feet in the air. Wow. Humans can't do all those things, but each individual race finds its niche. And the, the, the Roddenberry influence to this, I guess would be if they, don't learn to work together, Mm -hmm. they have no chance of winning the game. If you're missing one species, you're out. And off the field, this entire uh, galaxy is coming off a major intergalactic war. These races hate each other. They've been fighting forever. And this sports league is a, a tool to try and get individuals to see each other as something other than alien to see each other as individual team. And if you don't have all the colors of the kaleidoscope, you can't make the picture.
1: That sounds fantastic. (laughs) That sounds really, really cool.
0: Well, it also makes so much sense because it's not here and now and to put our same prejudices (laughs) and things. Onto the galaxy, as I pointed out in last week's thing that, you know, Carl Sagan had so eloquently pointed out in a nighttime talk show, he said, it's so interesting that women uh, are still the stewardesses in space, <laughs> in, in 2001, mm-hmm. a space odyssey, mm-hmm. or that they all look like us, you know, and um, that's all stuff we need to think about, because at some point when we encounter some blob of something, or maybe it's a gas, mm. I yep. don't know, or it yep. could be a monster that can jump 20 feet, we're going to have to embrace the kaleidoscope nature of uh, yeah. ourselves. Any final thoughts or thoughts on this quote?
2: Going back to what you were saying before, if you look at where diversity is really flourishing as far as not gender-based, but people from different cultures, the sports world, it's, it's much more prevalent now, especially when you watch international competitions, World Cup, the Olympics. You look at, you know, the the French team or the Swedish team of a particular men's or women's sport, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of different ethnicities represented on that. Mm-hmm. And that is the similar, that is a kaleidoscope situation where it's not the build the the white billionaires going to space. You are taking the best person available for that position who fits your team the best. And it doesn't matter what they look like as long as they can do the job. So at least in that regard, that's one area we're starting to see some some more. I mean, not,
0: and not to be a bummer to wrap up this podcast, but I was so shook, as the kids say, when I read something last week or uh, about the football league. You know, when players are injured and they retire, and there's a certain amount of insurance and money you get, et cetera, et cetera. I'm skipping over the details, but basically. These MFs had a codicil in there that if you were black, your cognitive rate, your cognitive uh, influence or your cognitive, you know, just how smart you are was lower. Mm-hmm. If you were black, wow. So they could they started at a sliding scale saying, well, black people obviously would have not more damage, but they started stupider. So we can give them less insurance wow. because the points that were cut off of their brain aren't as many yeah. As is the, that
2: is that still going on, or was there a point in which I got cut off?
0: Just changed it two weeks ago, Scott. Only cats. I've Singler. never heard of that. Wow,
2: it's amazing.
0: Wow. I never heard of it either because I don't know sports. But the fact that that was in there just sort of reminded me of, let's say, the '80s when all of a sudden black people or ethnic people were getting a little more prevalent, right? We're mm. we're in the sport. You see us on TV in the sports thing, but there still is that the same but different, you know. And I yeah. do. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm pretty sure Scott's league doesn't have that, huh?
2: Uh, there's a lot of, uh, I'm trying to replicate the current world we're in and use, um, you know, use the metaphor of sports as a way to deal with racism. But like the story you just told tells us we've come a long way and still have a long way to go. And Mm -hmm. both things can be true at the same time.
0: Very Yeah. uh, yeah. What a good salient way to wrap it up, huh, Trent?
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, and the one, the last point that I wanted to make about this is we didn't talk too much about the fact that Gene very carefully mentions New York. Birmingham and San Francisco, mm-hmm. the East Coast, the South, and the West Coast. So I think that's Gene is always very careful with his words. He's he definitely has uh, you know, when he's trying to convey his message to make his statement, he chooses his, his words very carefully. Sometimes they're very poetic. They're mm-hmm. usually very optimistic. And it's just why, you know, I love having these conversations about his quotes because they're just so expertly put together. And let's not forget that uh Starfleet. Academy is, uh, in San Francisco. So yeah. I think that's for sure why he put that. I in
2: noticed there. it. He, he, those are all major cities. And yeah. I grew up in a very tiny town in Northern Michigan. Yeah, And a lot of my experience of meeting people from other cultures didn't come till college and much later after college, mm-hmm. but it's going back to, you know, the AOL and the internet. And, uh, even though he gave this quote in 88, watching where things went after that, where things are now, uh, it's pretty salient.
0: Yeah, we're definitely heading towards a global village, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and that's exciting to someone like me. Okay. Hey, you all. We're lucky enough to have Scott for a few more episodes. So please tune in and try and tell the people where they can see the clips.
1: Yeah. If you want to watch video of Babs reading today's quote, you could check it out on our social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And we hope you join the three of us again tomorrow and all week long for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. Bye.